Most leaders know the importance of giving feedback to their followers, but we've heard time and time again just how hard that actually is. And one reason that we've found for this is that the environment of an organization sometimes isn't set up to support this feedback. You know, this reminds me of a project that we're doing at my house right now. Recently, we decided to convert the attic space above our garage into a home office. But once we got into the project, realized that the structure that was supposed to be supporting this home office had tons of rotted wood, and it just wasn't going to work at all to support this. So we had to kind of tear it down and start rebuilding it in order to support an office space for my wife and I. In the same way, if you want to use feedback to help others grow, change, and transform on your team, well, you need this structure to be set up in place first. Today on the podcast, we're going to share a few tips to help you build those structural supports on your team to make feedback more effective. And in future episodes, we're going to share our best practices for giving and receiving feedback. Enjoy. You're listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, sharing our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, click the link in the show notes or visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Nathan Freeberg, and today I am joined by Dr. Linda Schubring and Mr. Brian Schubring. Thank you. Good Good morning. How are you? Yay. Yay. I, can, I can add that. <laughs> the studio audience is applauding. Add that in post-production. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Linda, I just thought we would start this off by me giving you some feedback. I'd love your feedback. Well, this should be good. Lin- <laughs> Linda, the cookies you made oh, are boy. absolutely amazing. They are. I received care, that feedback. The care and attention you have taken <laughs> to making cookies the last two times I've been here is so appreciated. And, you know, I don't know if you're going to start like a Mrs. Fields, I guess it would be Mrs. Shoebring's cookie type of a... <laughs> Dr. Shoebring. Dr. No Shoebring. Mrs. Shoebring. <laughs> Mrs. Doctor, Shoebring is my mother-in-law. The doctor. <laughs> Cookies. Uh, I think you have future. So that's <laughs> well, my they feedback. Are, it is my love language to you. Because <laughs> um, I can't even remember the that. last time that I made cookies and I just, I'm I so know gay. that you like them. I do. And the whole batch, we're down to three, yeah. I think. And so yeah. well, we've only been here for, you've only been here for I've, 24 hours. I've, I've, hidden, I've hidden two cookies. You can't okay. hide the cookies. Yeah, when Nathan's well, in the house, that's you more have feed- to hide the here's cookies. Here's more feedback. To eat the cookies. But here's, you know how there's that <laughs> thing of like, cookies. you know, a good way not to eat junk food is to not have it in the house. And yes. so I'm I'm just eating it all for you <laughs> so Thank that you. you don't have it. I'm not tempted to eat it. I just want to taste it. He likes the raw dough. I yeah. saw the raw dough in the fridge and I thought, okay, I need to mix these last, like there's like two or three cookies worth of raw dough in the fridge. <laughs> we can uh, just put it in a toaster. Bag them up. All right. So feedback for real feedback. <laughs> when we are working with clients around creating the environment for feedback, one of the things that we are very aware of is oftentimes we need to start by creating a familiarity with what feedback is. And to understand what the individuals and team's capacity is for feedback, as well as to create an appetite for it. I think it kind of goes in that order. Familiarity, capacity, and appetite for feedback. We've got, let's see, five or six things here. Linda, the the first one on the list is that you should not store up feedback. No. What is What is that all about? That the the stored up feedback that kind of simmers for an entire year and then at that performance appraisal or annual review, all of a sudden you're just lambla- <laughs> lambasted <laughs> right. with, uh, with the feedback. You know, that feedback is rarely effective. Uh, what we know is that it stimulates a fear response 
And oftentimes people just can't hear it and they have to like scroll back to, okay, that was 12 months ago. Did I do that then? Do I keep doing that? Am I, and, and it just doesn't become, you know, an effective way to talk about it. Now, performance appraisals, performance reviews, annual reviews are really important, but we're talking more about how we create the right kind of cultures or right kind of environments where feedback can happen. And when I say feedback, I'm thinking, the kind of feedback that helps people understand someone's reaction, their perspective. Uh, sometimes uh, the way that Brian and I talk about it is is you know as a conversation because the the feedback that is that is done well creates uh, a better communication cadence on a team. You understand where people are coming from. What that does is it, it promotes a healthy culture. Because you're not just storing things up and, and keeping notes in some Google Doc to like, you know, nail that, nail, nail them. Um, and what it does is it, it increases productivity and we've seen it time and time again. And so when leaders will come to us and say, Hey, we want to get better at giving feedback. We know that there are ways to prime the pump first. And the first, yeah, the first one is just don't store it up. And part of the reason why we encourage people to not store up is because when Linda uh, talked about how feedback is often a trigger for a fear response, let's remind ourselves that when this type of environment is established, a, the, the person who's receiving feedback, their initial triggered response is to fight, flight, flock, or freeze. When you think about feedback, that's not what we want. You know, We want people to be open to it, to be receptive, and, and to actually integrate the feedback. But when feedback is done so rarely um, it is interpreted as a threat and people will really just kind of close up and not receive it. Because both people are threatened, both the giver and the receiver. The giver kind of stores it up. Like, what are they going to say? Should I say it like this? Should I say it like that? And then the receiver is like, what are they going to tell me that's bad about me and bad about who, who I am and how I act in the world? Because oftentimes the giver and the receiver of feedback are always worried about the perception. How am I being perceived? How am I being judged? And that's not, that's also not a very nice place for us to be because we become super self critical. So then, Linda, I want to go back to something you said, and maybe Brian, you can talk more about this. You kind of, you, you briefly mentioned this when we were talking about not stirring it up, but making it conversational. I know that I, I've had this experience. I've talked to a bunch of leaders who've had this experience where their, you know, their their review sessions or when they're getting feedback, it's this very formal, like, you know, it feels like they're being read this legal document and it's not conversational. It's not comfortable. So how do you set up an environment where feedback is conversational? Does that start, you know, in the water cooler chats type of a thing? Or what does that look like as we're as we're thinking about you know, changing cultures and organizations to be receptive to to regular productive feedback. Yeah, when I think about it, I remind myself that I'm I'm working with adults because <laughs> it's sometimes the feedback feels like parent to child, where it could be scolding or it could be you know redirecting or you should do this or you should do that. But when interacting with adults. There's a red flag for me if there is a lot of should in an environment. When we're working with leaders who say, you should do this, you should do that, 
when I'm working with adults, this is what I've learned. I've learned that you, first of all, you shouldn't should on people. And, uh, secondly, uh, should is an indicator of unsaid expectations. So when I say make it conversational, I go back to, is your culture's language filled with shoulds and you need to and kind of these um, unsaid expectations? Or is it is it a way where you're adding a dialogue like, oh, tell me more about this perspective or, wow, you did this and this is my reaction to it oh, what I would have done was this, or you started to lose me when you said this or that. Uh, and, and oftentimes, if we keep keep a strengths-based approach in mind, then it's starting with what people are great at. Like, wow, Nathan, you have all these ideas. Tell me which one to focus on, you know, which is a way of having a conversation instead of storing up like, Nathan has so many ideas. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that completely makes sense. Brian, what, you're clearly wanting to add something to this. I can tell by that. <laughs> He's Brian, eager. I'm give you feedback that the He's look eager. on your face says, I want to jump in. <laughs> well, if we talk about this idea of make the feedback conversational, then that kind of begs the question. Think about, you know, how do you have a healthy conversation? Like, what are the elements of a healthy conversation? Usually, you know, you're friendly, you're respectful, you're humble with each other. Someone's speaking, someone's listening, you take turns listening, you take turns speaking. Well, that that attitude can go a long way, especially when you think about it in the context of, of feedback, because conversations aren't episodic or periodic. Conversations are happening all the time. And one of the ideas or strategies that we introduce to leaders who are trying to create this environment is think about all the little ways that you can give productive observation to someone just like during the week, which is actually giving them feedback, but it's not done in a formal setting. It's done in a conversational manner. And people tend to not be so dismissive when you're coming alongside and giving an observation that can allow someone to, you know, change or respond or even ask more questions. I think that's the kind of conversational feedback that can be introduced that will then create a familiarity and a different capacity and an appetite to receive feedback when it's more formal, like in the, you know, concept of having a performance review. Brian, I like what you're talking about because the art of conversation is this opportunity to go back and forth and and to keep it positive and keep it friendly. Oftentimes we don't keep those friends around that are always giving us negative feedback. And I think oftentimes when leaders hear the word feedback, they automatically think negative. They automatically think I've done something wrong. There's a deficit in me. And when we say keep it conversational, start with what you're great at. Have conversations. You're able to then understand in a different way where someone's coming from or their perspective on the world. And then maybe that even promotes some understanding of maybe what you thought was not so good um, could actually be helpful. Brian, why are you smiling? Well, I have a great example of this because many of you know I'm a you know professional fitness instructor at Lifetime Fitness. <laughs> Not jazzercise, but more like cycling and yeah, I I teach cycling hardcore. Um, and my boss, her name is Elizabeth, and it was about um, eleven months ago that Elizabeth and I. Like I experienced this firsthand because Elizabeth and I were in her office and we're having this conversation and Elizabeth was asking, you know, how the class is going. We had this like half an hour discussion about lifetime fitness and classes and class structures and everything in philosophy, whatever. And then at, 
at about 25 minutes in the conversation, she's like, well, it's performance review time. And I, I guess from what we've talked about, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this score and, you know, whatever, we'll give you a raise and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that was my performance review? <laughs> and she's like, yes, it was. Thank you. Do you have any questions? I'm like, that was awesome. Like, wow. <laughs> so that was conversational yeah. through and through. There was no real introduction. We talked about what we had in common. That was teaching classes. And she gave critical assessment of my class, but I didn't go in there thinking, oh my God, it's the performance review. It was completely relaxed. We'll be right back. At Leadership Vision Consulting, we have spent 23 years helping individuals explore the depth and dimension of their personal strengths and have helped hundreds of teams build positive culture. We're excited to now announce our new online membership platform that brings together the resources, community, and motivation that you need to grow your influence and build a positive team culture. Through our courses, workshops, live Q&A sessions, and more, you'll gain the skills and confidence you need to lead effectively. And with our supportive community of like-valued leaders, you'll never feel like you're doing it alone. Visit leadershipvisionconsulting.com slash community to learn more. And she had specific examples. She's seen you teach. She watch, you know, she watches the cyclist respond to you, respond to your music, um, how you host that space. And so, so this conversational piece is, is layered with excellence. It's layered with examples of when you've done it well. We don't tell leaders, hey, go tell people good job more and more. If it's like, it's like a coach looking at someone saying, get in there and do it. Get in there and do what? What is it that I'm supposed to do? Should I lift my arm more? Do I need to release this way or whatever, whatever is going on? Because with Elizabeth, just because it was conversational did not mean that it wasn't critical. It was very critical and very precise, but it was just done in a way that was in a conversation. Right. And I feel like that, you know, we're going to talk more, even more specifics about like how to do a performance review. And that's a great example right there. But I think, you know, what I want to emphasize here is that there is a, a conversational nature that just is kind of ongoing, right? So if you're like listening to this and you're a, a manager or a leader of people and you're like, oh, great. Okay. So when I, when I sit this person down, I just need to have a conversation with them it's like, well, that's got to be part of a larger relationship, right? That's got to be part of something bigger. You can't just start doing it on the day of your performance review, right, Brian? Correct. It doesn't have to just be done on the day of the performance review because, because like I said, conversations happen all the time. And the unique thing about Elizabeth and I is Elizabeth and I have very similar conversations on the regular. That's just how we talk. I think the beauty of what happened was it was in the performance review was done without an announcement ahead of time, which may or may not be helpful because we'll talk about timing in a second. Uh, but it, it was conversational. It was deeply relational. It wasn't confrontational or agitational. It was just constructive. Which I think leads us well into our third note here of understanding timing. So when you're giving someone feedback, you have there's there's moments to give feedback, obviously, moments that you should not give feedback. Do you have specifics here as people are thinking about, well, how do I... I have to do the annual every 12 month formal performance review giving you know feedback but then what is what is this one talking about because it seems like this is leading more to the more ongoing uh you know daily weekly monthly sorts of feedback right yeah it's and it's the it's the ongoing nature of it and understanding the timing when 
deadlines, the hectic schedules, the, you know, enormity of this, that's not a time to be like, can I slow down and give you some feedback? Um, but instead, hey, what's going on? How how do we as leaders step kind of in the current of uh, of the people that we're working with and say, hey, what's going on? Tell me, tell me what's happening. Um, what do you need from your advantage point? How do we navigate that way? Um, you know, Nathan, I would push it back on you and say, okay, answer this question around understanding timing in the context of your attic renovation. You know, it's, it's interesting. Sorry. I'm just, they threw me there for a minute. I know. Uh, it's interesting because this is a project we've been planning on a long time and you know, we finally, I won't bore you with all the details of how hard it was to get a building permit, but then you think of like, okay, so we're going to start on this date. We're going to end on this date and then we're going to move into it. It's like, well, but, things never work out quite that way. And so do we want this to be done quickly? Do we want this to be done when we want it to be done? Or do we want it to be done right? Want it to be done well? Want it to be done in a way where it's not going to fall down <laughs> or collapse? And so yes. you think about, you go, you go into a situation, you're never quite sure what you're getting, right? <laughs> and once you kind of get in there and poke around and pull off the, the internal siding, uh, then you're like, oh, this is a different situation than I thought. And so then you have to readjust, readjust expectations, readjust budget. Uh, does that make sense? Is that answering your yes, question? Yes, it's answering a question because you're giving an example. And I think all of our listeners, they can think of an example um, <laughs> themselves. But how this applies to understanding timing is if you just said, hey, I want a new attic space and then walked away, you miss the adaptive nature of even a process. Now, when we're talking about people and human beings, you know, we are, <laughs> we'll adapt to survive, we will adapt to thrive. We are, hope, hopefully the people that we work with are seeking to change and grow in, in their different uh, capacities. But it, but it's not just save it up to the end. And then we say we like it or we hate it. Instead, right. it's, I'm going to walk with you in this. And it's not even a caretaking thing. So we've also had leaders say, Oh, I'm not so great at just walking alongside my people. No, but if, you know, out of your strengths, out of the ways that you're wired as a leader, how do you touch base with people so that the small pieces of feedback are congruent with that performance appraisal? So it isn't just good job, good job, good job. And then actually all these things are wrong. That That's where sometimes leaders get into trouble because it's not congruent. And it's also, I think timing too is around seeking to understand first. So if you're coming in with, you know, potentially negative feedback rather than saying you messed up here, 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 and there, it's, you know, help me understand what went on with this project. And maybe the timing is seeking to understand first and then adjusting, you know, going back to the attic metaphor, if you will, adjusting your feedback based on, you know, learning more information. And again, going back to the first one, if you save that up all for once a year or once a quarter, it's really hard to have an effective review that actually changes changes anything. A couple of other things to consider when it comes to timing is the professional timing and relational timing. Um, when it comes to professional timing, one of the things we want to ask our, our leaders is, like, what is the length of the relationship within the professional context? Because you could be a new supervisor or a new leader or a new team manager, or it could be a new employee. You could know someone for a matter of years or decades, and that will influence the, the timing of the feedback. And also from a professional context, most people think of, of feedback when it comes to like quarterly or annual performance reviews. 
And of course, that's important, but the data doesn't back up that that's actually effective. What the data is pointing to is that it's more critical to give immediate adaptive response-based criticism or feedback as you go, because it's those small, like what Linda says, those micro-adaptations along the way that can have the longest-lasting, more sustainable change in someone is those small moments of giving critical feedback. And that, again, ties back to the conversational side of it. And when we're talking about timing, I'd like to also introduce the consideration of the relationship and think about the timing around the relationship. How long have you known the person that you're giving feedback to and how long have they known you? And what's the relationship with the organization or the, the relationship with the team? If you think about that kind of timing, that may influence your tone of voice, your attitude, the way you approach that that person, the types of details you wanna share with them and, and the types of goals you'll set. Because remember, there's just this unique relationship between timing and organizational pressures and timing and family pressures. And those family pressures we probably don't know about until we're sitting with the person and we're actually giving them the feedback. Mm -hmm. Linda, I'm wondering if we can close this out with a quote that you shared from, I believe it's Ken Blanchard. And uh, I'm going to nickname it this was, the Wheaties quote. Yes. <laughs> talks and about it, yeah, feedback and it, is a breakfast for champions. Ta share that with us. Talk about it. Uh, I think it's a great idea for us to close this out with. Yes. One of the leaders that we're working with actually said that to us when he was so passionate about getting his people to grow in the area of giving and receiving feedback. He said, feedback is the breakfast of champions. Yes, it's the Wheaties quote. <laughs> um, but Brian and I started toying with that a little bit more and how we started to lead a session around that is we started with that quote and then we we started to think more about that well oh the breakfast of champions okay well feedback then is necessary for our survival and what we know and what the research says is that top performers eat breakfast every day a lot of people say they do, but it's the people that actually nourish their bodies and brains in the morning um, are the ones that are successful and actually make more money in the Forbes report that I read once. Um, so giving and receiving feedback is meant to nourish our growth and expand our leadership capacity. For sustained growth, giving and receiving feedback is repeatedly practiced. And that's what Brian and I seek to do when we're working with leaders and with teams because we say that that practice is what really enables feedback or a feedback culture to become fully absorbed, aligned, and applied in new ways. And, and that's why we're passionate about this. We're passionate about creating environments where feedback lands in a good way and it promotes the health of teams and individuals. Because that's our overall objective around this topic is we want to help people understand the importance of giving feedback as well as creating the right environment where the feedback can be absorbed, aligned, and applied. And that comes through repetition and relationship. Mm. That's great. And next week, we're going to talk about how to actually give and receive this feedback. So Brian, Linda, thank you. Thank You're doing a great you. job, Nathan. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. And thank you, listener, for doing such a great job listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, sharing our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. I'm Nathan Freeberg. I'm Linda Shoebring. And I am Brian Shoebring. And on behalf of our entire team, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.
guys did such a good job oh, with the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thanks for